Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, Yumon Sang, founder and CEO of Chen Zero. Welcome, Yumon. Well, thank you, Alex. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the, uh, on the podcast for the first time, first time guest. And, uh, um, you know, we, we've had you, I think, uh, at SaaS.conferences conferences last year. So engaged with the partnership sort of then. Obviously, interesting times uh, sort of right now uh, in the world. You're in, uh, in Washington, D.C., is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Right in the middle of, uh, you know, all, all the things that are happening politically in the U.S. Yeah, right yeah, downtown. Yeah. A few a few blocks in the White House, actually. Yeah, okay. Okay, uh, very interesting. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, as, as you say, uh, we're, we're having this conversation during perhaps whether it's the height or even uh, before the height of the uh, uh, the coronavirus sort of crisis that we're, we're facing uh, sort of this year. For you as a, an employer... Uh, I guess before we we, we get into um, sort of uh, you know some of the details about yourself and, and, and the company, but like how has it been sort of right now uh, uh, for, for you? What is, what's happening right now uh, as the CEO of Churn Zero? You know, just so for timing's sake, basically last week was the first time in the U.S. a lot of companies on the East Coast were sending uh, their com- their employees home to work from home 100 percent. And so it's been a bit of a way from the West Coast to the East Coast in terms of San Francisco was hit first, uh, Seattle, that was the main area. And then it slowly, actually fairly quickly moved to the East Coast. So as of, so I came in today uh, to the office and, you know, I drove, um, but it was very empty. Uh, you know, there, was, there were not a lot of people on the streets. So sort of, you know, uh, it certainly has been a very quiet time. You know, this is a very, you know, for businesses, it's, it's very, very uncertain. And the last time I really felt this level of uncertainty was probably, imagine 9-11, right? When, when people just woke up and didn't know what the world was going to be like the next day, right? Like how big an impact was this going to be? And we're all really just bracing for maybe something that can kind of come through in a few months or have a lasting impact. So it's the uncertainty, which I think is really the toughest on businesses right now. And for the next two weeks, I think we're all going to be sort of mired in this, uh, all this uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, agree. And so, so the the podcast we're not uh, we're not going to talk uh, you know solely uh, or, or that much really uh, around sort of coronavirus, uh, but really just want to start off. Um, uh, first of all, let, let's get to know you uh, and you know who are uh, Churn Zero. Then we'll talk uh, a bit about customer success for SaaS, uh, and we'll also talk about what is what is very topical, um, and it, it's this kind of R three rotational regional remote framework that you guys have developed, which is super interesting, certainly for me and I think our, our audience. So, a lot to cover, uh, but yeah. I think we'll, I think we'll get 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 it done. Um, and so let, let's start uh, as I usually do. Whilst I asked you, uh, I guess kind of first we jumped into the coronavirus, but usually I ask the guests, you, you know, to introduce themselves, you know, who you are. Uh, you know who you are as a person let's you know find out a little bit more about yourself uh, and why you founded Churn Zero what Churn Zero does yeah so uh, thanks I'm, I'm Yuman saying I'm the co-founder of Churn Zero this is my fourth startup so I'm a repeat entrepreneur uh, most of my life has been in the software business uh, mostly on the b2b side and um, you know it's actually timely with with you know, with a, sort of a pandemic or a recession, really any kind of recession or slowdown 
uh, customer success, you know, is an interesting space and timely as well because, you know, at Churn Zero, we help customers uh, fight customer churn, right? We, we help you keep your customers. And so, um, you know, when, when these times happen, you tend to circle the wagons and you try to protect all the assets that you have in the company, right? And those assets are really your people, uh, your cash, and then also your customers. Uh, you know, the reason why I started this company was, you know, my previous company, I, I, I saw all this great technology for sales and marketing. Like we knew all about our prospects. We knew all about the sales opportunities. But once, you know, everyone became a customer, when someone became a customer, we, we really lost track of them. We really sort of stopped understanding what they did. And we, we didn't bring the kind of technology that we brought pre-sales to the post-sales uh, space. And so I really saw an opportunity to develop technology uh, for customer success and everything post-sales. Okay, awesome. And, and, and Churn Zero, uh, I think you've been running it for around sort of five years. Is, is that right? Yeah, so we started in 2015 and onboarded our first customer in 2016. Uh, and uh, any sort of data just around the company? So like number of people, if you, you're happy to share, if you're happy to share revenue, great. If not, no worries. Uh, you know, are you bootstrapped? Have you raised venture capital, uh, so on? Sure, we've uh, raised uh, up to our Series A. Uh, so that's really two major outside rounds of capital. Um, you know, still relatively small compared to the Bay Area type companies, but mm -hmm. you know, a reasonable amount for East Coast, so $10 million all in. Uh, we're pretty, um, uh, we've been pretty cash efficient. So, you know, we haven't spent our Series A money at all, even though we raised it almost a year ago. Uh, we're over we're about running on 60 people. Actually, two people started today in, in all this chaos. Uh, and, um, you know, we're growing. We grew two and a half X last year. We'll grow two and a half X this year. Uh, we don't share the revenue numbers, but if you do the math on the, uh, on the uh, employees, you'll, you'll get a, real, a number that you would expect uh, for the kind of growth that uh, our company would have. Okay, awesome. And, and so as you said, uh, this is the, the fourth uh, sort of company uh, that you started. Mm -hmm. um, you know, why, why do it again? Like, uh, you know, what, 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 what's that within you that keeps you, makes you want to kind of keep starting companies? Yeah, you know, I think if the, for anyone who's an entrepreneur or, or definitely a repeat entrepreneur, you question if you should start another one and then you wake up one day and you know you have to. Right. And it's as simple as that. I mean, it's, 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 there's no, there's actually very little rationale wanting to start a company. It's actually not a great way to bring financial stability to your, your family. Uh, it's not a great way to uh, relieve stress in your life. It, I mean, in many ways, you know, you have upsides, but the variability is so high. It just, it's never a great, it doesn't feel like a great idea. So there has to be something else pushing you. I can't tell you what it is. All I know is that, you know, I wake up and that this is what I want to do. Awesome. Um, yeah, ag agree with all of that. And uh, so let, let's talk a bit, uh, a bit around sort of customer success. Uh, and you mentioned, obviously, in a time sort of economic crisis, how important customer success, uh, you, you know, can be. Um, let, let's talk about it uh, in and out of the time of, of, of crisis. And so the role of customer success companies uh, or, or customer success for SaaS companies. Um, and, and, and yeah, like, let's learn like, why it, it's important when there isn't a time of crisis, why it's important when there is. Well, you know, um, about 10 years ago, you know, the software, of course, all moved to subscription, right, from, from licenses to subscriptions. And once that happened, that really did make a fundamental change in how you service your customers. Um, it used to be where you can just have all customer support be 
all customer interactions be inbound. In other words, they make the request into a support team that will then answer questions. Uh, and then you would have an account manager, um, you know, make sure that uh, they renew uh, or at least buy more uh, by um, maintenance licenses. Now with subscriptions, they can leave at any time and you have to make sure your customers are happy. You have to make sure your customers are onboarded correctly, engage with your product and your service, engage with your company, uh, so that a month later, a year later, three years later, how oft however often your, your first uh, uh, term is, uh, that they come back. So it, it's just now vitally important because customers do not, uh, do not have to stay with you, right? They have a choice every month, every year to leave. So customer success is extremely important to keep your business alive. And what role does it play in terms of other areas uh, of, of the business? Uh, how, what have you seen there? Yeah, you know, actually, uh, I would say that uh, there are certain departments that knew about sort of retention for even earlier than, than, than others. Like finance always knew the compounding effect of retention, right? So even many years ago, the, the person who really pounded a table on retention over and over again was generally the CFO, right? Because they just saw the numbers. They looked at, they looked at a spreadsheet and they're like, you know, it's, you know, if you want, if you want to be successful, this, this, these things have to happen. We have to plug the leaky bucket of customers that are leaving. Uh, sales now also knows is because, you know, uh, the more, the, the, the worse your retention, the more they have to um, achieve, right? So, you know, if you're going to have, say, an 80% retention rate, you need 20% new sales just to stay flat, right? And that has an impact on new sales. Uh, and so sales is starting to really understand. In fact, they, I think they understand pretty clearly now that uh, the better the retention is, the less, the less hard they're going to have to work. And then marketing also knows because actually I think software buying is changing, right? Software buying is changing in a way where customers now really have a pedestal to talk about your product and service, whether it's B2C, which has been historically there, as well as B2B, right? So B2B customers are also talking about your product and service. So marketing knows that happy customers are going to help make it easier for them to market because they can use the reviews, they can use the good, uh, the references and the referrals. Whereas, of course, if you have unhappy customers, unsuccessful customers, that's going to drag down marketing as well. So, you know, all these other departments are really starting to see the effect of happy customers, successful customers. And that, of course, that pushes the, uh, uh, the onus on customer success to be that, even that much more uh, productive. What are your thoughts on when SaaS companies, you know, should be putting, place, uh, putting into place, you know, a customer success function? You know, I, I think you have to start almost on day one thinking about customer success. Whether you have somebody, you know, with that title in your company, probably you can um, wait to, you know, some people say it's, it's a first digit uh, higher, first digit higher meaning zero to nine. So I actually don't disagree with that. I actually, I think it's on a, a first digit higher. It's probably on, you know, six to nine rather than one to five. But everybody in one to five, I mean, you really have two things to, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're employee one to five, that group, you're interested in product market fit. That's all you care about. That's the only thing you care about is to close your first handful of customers and keep your first handful of customers. And so everyone has to think about it. But in terms of getting a person involved, I would say probably, you know, you're anywhere from seven to nine would be when you would hire your first customer success person. And once you've done that, uh, then like in terms of rolling out to the customer success, you know, what would that look like? Look like you've hired your first customer success person. 
do you just leave it up to them to like, you know, uh, I, I guess going to use their experience around uh, working with customers? You know, do they need to be looking for technology? Like, how do you help the, this kind of first hire? Yeah, you know, the first hire is always the first hire in any new department, sales, marketing, whatnot. You need to find that person who is the generalist problem solver, right? Because because that first customer success hire isn't there to ramp anything up, right? They're just not there to ramp anything up. They're there to discover, you know, the process, the initial process to onboard a customer to make sure they're using your product and service and are happy with it, and then to renew them, right? It's a very special, per actually, you know, every one of your first single digit hires, they're all extremely special people, right? Because they are trying to find a way. And so when you bring your first customer success person in, make sure it's a person can, who, who, you can, who you think can help you find a way to make it happen. Um, and I would say it's when you have a few cycles of, of, of retention and renewals where, in other words, you, you, you figured out, oh, okay, well, I have re, uh, made X customer successful, right? Maybe for a SMB, maybe that's 50 customers, maybe for an enterprise, maybe that's six customers, enterprise companies is six customers. Uh, but you have a sense of what it takes to engage and renew a customer. That's when you start thinking about um, ramping, right? Getting a second person, a third person, and then bringing technology to bear. So I would not do it on day one per se, right? Because day one, you're still trying to figure out how it works. Uh, but you know, the first time you have a few, a few revs of retention, make sure you uh, worry about uh, scaling. So, so when talking of scaling, so you've got the first hire in for customer success and general, you, you mentioned about uh, this would be perhaps a little bit of a generalist. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm imagining this is not a, a VP of customer success, but a more kind of, you, you know, uh, a more junior uh, sort of member of, of the team. But then as you start to scale, uh, how do you then go about sort of building a customer success team? What is your advice there? Is it that generalist that you've hired in starts to build this out because they, they have that kind of experience? Look, uh, share, share yeah. Something. What I've seen happen a lot, and this I've seen at many companies, is your first three or four, you know, tend to be the same, right? Sort of a, a, a full stack, you know, quote unquote, full stack, soup to nuts type CSM, you know, this kind of a unicorn type person who can do everything from, you know, uh, onboarding, which is tends, often will be tend to be technical, uh, to asking for the renewal and asking for expansion, which tends to be more of a business ask, right? So that's, that's really asking a lot of, you know, from one person to do everything from being customer responsive to having uh, substantial business conversations. But that's what you're going to have to look for, for maybe your first three CSMs, right? And, and when, 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 when you may be hiring your fourth or fifth into the space, that's when you can actually think about specializing. Right. Maybe you can say, well, you know, onboarding is fairly special in, in my company. Right. Maybe it's fairly technical. Maybe there's an integration involved. Maybe there's training involved. So I'm going to have an onboarding team uh, and I'm going to have specialists that do onboarding. And then maybe I'll have, you know, they'll pass it over to a CS team once the onboardings happen. So I would say, you know, your first uh, three or four ought to be generalists. But then at that point is actually fairly difficult to kind of hire that generalist over and over again. And, uh, you know, as you scale, as you get your, comp your company to have a, a, a team of 12, a team of 24, you'll start to specialize. And depending on your company, you'll have specialists in different parts of the organization. Uh, maybe there's an expansion team. Uh, maybe there's a renewals team. But it really does depend on what type of uh, business model you have.
If there are some SaaS companies, founders uh, that are listening that don't have a customer success function to right now, uh, do you have any particular advice around that? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, it, it's, I, I don't see very many of those anymore, but I, I will tell you this, right? Um, so I, this is my fourth company. I've been, I've been doing software for over 20 years, 25. Wow, I'm just, I'm just going to keep counting 30 years now. And, um, and here's, here's what's happening, right? When I started raising money from my first company, uh, we, we talked about retention never, never we talked about retention. And then maybe 10 years ago when we talked about retention, it would happen during uh, due diligence, right? So you have your first meeting, you have your second meeting, and finally during due diligence, you, you touch upon retention. If you go out and raise money right now, it will be in the first five minutes that you will talk about retention. Maybe in the first two minutes that you talk about retention. And so uh, many companies will, many VCs will simply not talk to you if you have below uh, average retention, right? It has become a top two metric in assessing a business, right? Oftentimes it's, it, it's new business growth and it's retention. And so if you have poor retention, you will, you, will, you will have no conversation with anybody who wants to be an investor in your company. It's that important now. So I can talk all I, you know, I, I can talk all I want about customers and all that, but in the end, you know, the people who are passing out the money, the investors are now seeing it as a top two metric in order to evaluate companies. So take that seriously. Let, let's sort of move then to the topic of remote work, which again, uh, I think we've seen, I've certainly seen the trend over the last year, uh, people talking more about remote work and because we have like the tools, uh, you know, to, to do it, right? And uh, I guess uh, arguably make us more efficient. Now, obviously, given, uh, you, you know, sort of this year and, uh, you, you know, the coronavirus sort of crisis, again, remote work is kind of even, you, you know, the trend has accelerated and it's a, it's a topic that everybody's talking about and I'm getting asked, you know, comments uh, uh, around this. And uh, you, you emailed over the weekend and, uh, uh, and again, sort of, uh, you know, sent over that, you, uh, you know, Churn Zero has this framework on remote work and it's not fully remote it's hybrid sort of remote Let, let's talk about this framework because i think it's super interesting super topical for for, for our audience who mm -hmm. arguably everybody right now could be working from home um so so let, let's talk about the the r3 framework what what is it yeah so we call it rotational regional remote and i'll tell you why we did it so we we're in dc uh washington dc traffic is horrible uh, you know, our average, uh, our average worker, probably employee probably takes half an hour to an hour to work each day. Right. Um, it's, but then we also want to, we want to be able to draw from the entire, um, a pool in, in the, uh, the DC area, which is very large. So we started by saying, let's, let's just work from home, uh, two or three times a week. Right. That's how we started. So we would come in the office Monday and Wednesday, and then, you know, an occasional Thursday, uh, and then we would all work from home the other days. It worked great. People loved it. Uh, you know, you got, you got the touch points, the human touch points with people um, that you wanted on your Monday and Wednesdays. And then everyone got the productivity of working from home on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, right? So it was a really good balance uh, of, of, of having a, a um, you know, the human touch as well as you know, being remote. Now, the problem was is as we started to grow, Right. I was staring at, 
you know, getting the worst of both worlds, right? Having to have a full office to have everybody in on Monday and Wednesdays and having to be fully empty on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, so as we grew, we decided to split the company into groups. Uh, we had letter groups, so A to D, and departmental groups, sales, marketing, and um, so on. And so every day, every single day, we would bring in two groups together. So an A, B group, say, on a Monday, and then a sales and marketing on Tuesday, and then a C and D on Wednesday, and so on and so forth. And basically, we would rotate the, um, uh, the, the employee staff into the office every single day of the week. Now, that gave us a lot of benefits, right? Everybody saw each other within about six business days, right? And, and within six business days, you saw every single one of your colleagues. That was fantastic. Um, as a company, we didn't have to buy, we didn't have to get the big space. We only needed half the space, right? Because people were rotating in every single day. Uh, and, every, and then we also got, uh, we got access to a much bigger employee pool, right? So any, the people who lived an hour away, can actually choose to come work for us because they were only going to commute in approximately one to three times a week, you know, with this R3 schedule. So it was a very nice hybrid remote schedule that basically combined remote work uh, with in-person work. And it's been super successful for us. So you say it's been successful. Um, can you, is there anything that you can share in terms of the impact on the business that that's sort of measurable? I think you, there, there's something around sort of like NPS, uh, but again, then like on productivity or even like how that sort of impacted on, uh, uh, on revenue. Yeah. So, I mean, basically there's really two major measures that, you know, that measure success for, for me as a company. Right. I think it's hard to measure productivity in a knowledge worker. I mean, I guess you, you, you know, you can, you know, you can look at individual performance, but overall uh, as a company, you know, we've been hitting our, our annual goals year after year, right. Within, in fact, within two percentage points every year, it's actually kind of freaky how, how close we, we hit it. Uh, so that's number one, right? So at, at the broadest level, the companies are hitting, we're hitting our growth targets, uh, our, our revenue targets and our cost targets, right? So that's, uh, and we've done it over the last three years. So, you know, with, uh, with R3 in place. And the other thing is, you know, we do an employee NPS uh, and currently our NPS is standing in the 80s, right? Which is, you know, higher than Apple, higher than, you know, uh, Bose, you know, higher than sort of the best in, in the business. So, you know, we think, you know, so those two things basically say that we have very uh, happy employees who want to work for us, uh, you know, helping the company hit, hit its goals, right? As long as those two things are happening, you know, that at least what, what I have now is working, right? Now, it could be product, it could be, you know, other things, but, you know, certainly this R3 concept is not hurting us at all. Were, were there any initial kind of challenges or, or, or things that you saw when you, you went to, to this sort of framework uh, uh, or, or was it just plain sailing? Well, actually, there was one problem I had with the original framework, which was, uh, you know, two on and everybody went home uh, for those two weeks was we started to, when we start when you start the companies, oftentimes you would hire sort of people who've done it before, right? And then when you get bigger, you tend to hire more junior folks, right? Because you have more junior uh, uh, tasks. And that actually was a problem because, you know, maybe folks who just graduated from college or university, one, you don't have the work ethic. Uh, second, you may not even have the room at home to work, right? You may not even have, you know, because you, you have three or four roommates, uh, there's no place for you to work. And so, 
our most junior employees would be coming in on these on these days where nobody was in the office, right? And so actually going to R3 put somebody in the office every single day, and it did allow for the junior folks who, by the way, we do have a group called the E-group, and the E-group is the everyday group, and you know those folks have to come in. So these are folks who are newer to work, right? So we want them to learn uh, a, good, a good work ethic and really try to understand how to do their jobs. Uh, the E-group also is, you know, anybody who does want to come in every day, you want to come in every day because you prefer that, you can definitely come in every day. And that was a real uh, perk for us, um, uh, you know, to help drive that, to drive the junior folks, right? You know, if you're fully remote, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of companies who are making that work. The one thing I always thought about if you're fully remote is how do you help those people who don't have a great place to work, right? How do you help those people who don't have a great, you know, perhaps work ethic or the daily grind? They, they're just not used to it yet. How do you help them? And I think R3 is a great way to help. Uh, those folks. Uh, other issues that we have, just, you know, to answer your, you know, like scheduling is trickier, right? You basically now have to, with, with, with this remote hybrid uh, process, you actually have to behave like a remote company first, right? So you do have to have all, everything involved, uh, all the tech and behave like a remote company first. And then this will work really, really well because you'll get the benefit of both. What, what tech are you using uh, to enable this? What is, what is your kind of hybrid remote or remote tech stack? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing that will be surprising to you, right? So we use, we use GoToMeeting, we use Zoom, um, sorry, and we use uh, Slack, right? So we use all the things you, you would expect us to use. Uh, you know, everyone has a laptop they take home, all our desks are hot desks. So, you know, every, uh, everyone is, is when they walk in, they choose a desk. Now they sanitize the desk, choose yeah. the desk, plug in, and then they have monitors, uh, you know, and power. Uh, and then we we also um, outfit your home office uh, with a similar uh, rig, right? So when you go home, you'll have a second monitor, you know, you'll have what you need to be productive. Um, but look, the it's, it's, as you know, it's easy to be, it's easy to do knowledge work now remotely, right? So the technology's here, it's easy. It, uh, you know, it, it is a frame of mind more than anything else. And by the way, I think it's mostly prejudice, right? Like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I still want to come to work in the office, right? So I have to almost fight myself to say, look, you know, you have to be, you know, productivity has nothing to do with being in the office. You have to fight that every single day. And I know I fight it. Yeah, it's interesting. And it, like, I mean, we, we've got quite a young team uh, at SASDOC. And when we announced, I mean, the, the UK is not on lockdown uh, because of coronavirus yet, uh, but it, we expect that it may come. But we, we announced, uh, and uh, today's the first real official day when everybody's working from, working from home, right? And the young mm -hmm. team, uh, the first reaction was like, well, they, they were going to miss their colleagues, right? And they, they still wanted, you know, how do we engage with our colleagues in person? Um, uh, so that was pleasant and, um, you, you know, a little bit sort of surprising to hear. But I think like uh, this, the, the, the times we're in where everybody and, or many companies are now working from home because we have to or we think it's a responsible thing to do, you think that this could be uh, a, a kind of a, a tipping point in working from home and working remotely whereby many companies that perhaps were uh, maybe they had their bosses or just the companies they thought well look you know we don't believe in remote work we might actually see that we can be more productive uh, and that actually there's going to be this shift to 
many companies going remote or hybrid remote, you, you know, in the, in the next few weeks or months. Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up a great point. And, I, and I'll probably, I would probably say two things about that. One is, I think a lot of us, a lot of people will be surprised in how productive they can be remote. You'll just be surprised. You're like, wow, that, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Right? That, was that didn't change as much as I thought it would. Uh, would. And so you'll come back and you'll, and you'll be ready to adopt change, right? And so maybe it's a hybrid model like what we've done. Maybe it's a full remote. Uh, you know, uh, I think that that will happen. The other thing I think will happen is that uh, we will be more willing to experiment with things that we were not willing to, you know, uh, to experiment with. So for instance, you know, SaaS stocks a great place to do events, right? Events are, are in trouble for the next eight weeks in the U.S., right? So maybe, you know, and we've all sort of been resistant to remote events or, or, or virtual events. You know, they, they, nobody seems to like them. They don't seem to work. Maybe they do work, right? And we just have had a bad feeling on them. So if Sastock does a virtual Sastock and finds and tries to innovate on a way to do virtual events, that may actually, you know, people are finally willing to try it, right? You know, I actually have a prejudice against virtual events. Yeah. For the next eight weeks, what choice do I have? Yeah. So I'm going to attend a few virtual events. I may actually say, well, that wasn't so bad. That was actually quite interesting. And, you know, I got, I got 80% of the value, uh, but I didn't have to get on a plane to travel five hours to San Francisco to do that. Uh, we may all learn very interesting things and break our habits and break our prejudice in the next, uh, you know, hopefully it's only eight weeks. And hopefully, you know, this will all be, we'll get back to some kind of normalcy. Uh, 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 shortly, but I, I think this is a really interesting time for all, for all of us in, the, in, in remote work in the virtual space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, hundred uh, percent, sort of in, in agreement with you. Uh, obviously, where uh, Sastock is, uh, you know, has been to date. Um, you, you know, running, uh, you know, a conference uh, business, you know, for the SaaS community. Our, 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 our revenue, uh, you know, is all tied to the physical events that we do. Uh, you know, we have been, you know, thinking about, you know, for a long time about, you know, adding a virtual conference, uh, you, you know, because we think that, you know, it does kind of make sense. But initially, when, you know, we launched the 2020 strategy for this year, uh, you know, coronavirus wasn't a thing or like we weren't really kind of thinking about it. Um, and, and we decided let's focus on our physical uh, events uh, and, you know, what we have right now, not add any new products in right now, uh, because we want to, you know, we want to hit our goals with these and, and let's kind of focus on that. Uh, obviously given the, the, the current situation, um, we will be launching a, a virtual conference and uh, you, so, you know, I guess on the one hand that you, you know, the, the opportunity has arisen to uh, accelerate these kind of ideas that we've been thinking about and to kind of fill these gaps, um, you, you know, for everybody that can't attend a conference right now, uh, you know, to, to deliver something, you know, of high quality, uh, in a moment where people are, you know, stuck at home, but still, you know, uh, care to connect with people, you know, they want to um, maybe have some thought leadership, brand awareness, or want to kind of learn, uh, you know, further about, you, you know, how can they grow and scale their businesses. So there is still that need. Uh, and there is this big void and vacuum sort of right now. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, so that is, is certainly accelerating our ideas and uh, our ideas and we'll, we'll be launching something uh, or it will be taking place in, in June. So the first SAS That's virtual, exciting. Uh, conference. So we're excited for that. And I think you're yeah. right that the mindset from, from people that I've been speaking to, um, you, you know, over the last few years, there have been virtual conferences, but I think the technology 
on the one hand, hasn't quite been there yet, but I think it's there now, uh, or I'm certain from what I've seen and from what we'll be, what we'll be launching. And again, that, that mindset uh, shift because of the, some of the, maybe the, the experiences that people have had with virtual conferences to date, you know, maybe they think, well, it's not the same. It will never be the same as, you know, meeting in person. But right. I think you touched on a lot of those points. And I think, again, this could be a tipping point for virtual conferences, you, you know, if, if, if done right. And see that we can deliver the value. We can deliver it online. Um, you, you know, we won't have to travel. There won't be as many costs associated. Um, but effectively, you're getting almost, you know, all the value apart from the only thing is these kind of serendipitous moments that sometimes right. you get at conferences and some of the fun in the evening as well, right? Oh, but, no doubt. Uh, yeah. There, there's no doubt. There, there's one thing actually I, I, would, I would have you think about because we're thinking about it as well. So we, we do happy hours. So, so Turn Zero, we, we host happy hours about twice a month and we do, we do it in the city, right? So Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Toronto, we bring about a dozen to two dozen CS professionals, customer success professionals into a happy hour. They're, they're great, you know, we, we, we just want to create an ecosystem. Well, those are being canceled, of course. So we're doing them virtually, um, you know, uh, so we, we're doing a New York one tonight, for instance, and it's all done virtually. But then, of course, like, why not do, like, that, you know, okay, that feels silly to do a New York one virtually. Uh, why not do one that's, that's very focused on the type of people who really want to be together? So let me give you an example. You know, we know that when we talk to uh, customer success people, that the, neat, that the folks who are in enterprise selling big ticket items want to talk to other people, you know, who also sell uh, big ticket items so they can share, they can share best practices. So you may have, for instance, so we will have these happy hours that will then be virtual, that can be global, but bring together birds of a feather, like really focused. So for instance, you may have a SaaS stock for SMBs, right? You know, uh, so the people who service SMB and a SaaS stock for people who enterprise, SaaS stock for sales and marketing folks, the SaaS stock for uh, uh, fintech. You can imagine, you know, getting that much more verticalized uh, if you can do these virtual um, uh, meetings. I think there's still a lot to be solved and a lot of innovation here, but you can certainly think about this in a very different way now. Uh, anyway, so I, I find it interesting, you know, yeah. like, you know, when, when these things happen, let's take advantage, you know, it, it feels crass to say, but you know, you often want to, you, you, innovation happens when there's crises, right? So, you know, this is an opportunity for all of us. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, uh, on, on that note, I know we've come to the, the, the end of the show there, but a fascinating conversation, obviously, um, you know, around customer success and, and working remotely, which is, uh, you know, a super hot topic. Um, so it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Where can people find you online, uh, find Churn Zero, find the, uh, the R3 framework? Yeah, so if you, uh, um, so I'm on Twitter at Youmon, Y-O-U-M-O-N, and uh, you can also find us at, at Churn Zero. And we're at churnzero.net is our website. And if you go to churnzero.net slash R3, uh, we'll have a guide. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you exactly how we did it, you know, sort of the algorithm of, of how people come in. Uh, so it'll be a very short guide, you know, take a look, right? Because it actually is a great, like, I, I think it'll work for almost any company, uh, any knowledge company, uh, you know, that, that this combination really works. So, and, and I'm happy to talk about it. So about the, the pluses and minuses for any, anyone uh, who wants to talk a little bit more about R3. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Yumon Sang, uh, founder and CEO of Churn Zero. Uh, thanks for being a guest on the SaaS Revolution show. I appreciate it, Alex. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.